Hi, I'm Ray from Insert Quest here, and today we're talking to RPG game developers V and Haley from Story Brewers. Thanks for joining us. Hi, lovely to be here. Uh, wonderful. Uh, so today we are recording online. Um, it would appear that uh, there may be some slight audio from aircraft overhead, maybe, perhaps. So if <laughs> that happens, uh, please... Yeah, please, please bear with us. Uh, I will hopefully, if that comes up, be able to edit it out. But uh, you never, you never know. Uh, I might miss it. Uh, so I believe that about twelve months ago, we talked to you about your game, Alas for the Awful Sea. Yes. Uh, how have things been going? How have things been going for you guys since then? Or well, for you, you ladies, since then? Haley, you want to kick it off? Uh, yes. So far, so good. Uh, we finished up Alas for the Awful Sea and uh, delivered it to backers. Um, we got the PDF out at the end of August um, and then the books shortly after. And now we are on to our next exciting adventure, um, which is a, um, a tabletop role-playing game called Good Society um, about Jane, where you take on the role of characters uh, like there is in a Jane Austen novel and sort of create your own Jane Austen experience at the table. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Um, <laughs> so uh, Jane Austen is not a material or that I'm particularly familiar with. Like, I am vaguely aware of some of the things about it, uh, but mm -hmm. when I heard that you were making this game, it, like, stood out to me as one very, like, you. <laughs> uh, and and two as like a really interesting kind of project. Uh, so I'm I'm really excited to talk to you about that today. Mm -hmm. um, now to start off with, I thought it might be nice uh, for you to tell us a little bit more about like where the idea for the game came from, uh, and then we'll move into some other conversations about your motivations, and then maybe sure. talk about some mechanical stuff. Yeah, sure. Well, the idea from the game uh, is like the most straightforward origin you can possibly think mm. of. I mean, it's a Jane Austen game and I had the idea when I was reading a Jane Austen book and I was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I could be in this book? And by that, I mean, I'm going to make a role playing game. Yeah. And I think, you know, watching the films and film adaptations as well, you're like, this would be really cool to do. It'd be really fun. I should point out that the only film adaptation of Jane Austen that I've yeah. seen, I watched a few days ago on Netflix, oh. <laughs> and it was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which I realise is probably <laughs> not a great... Look, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it has some of the Austen charm and... And zombies. And zombies. <laughs> I'm actually rereading Pride, Prejudice and Zombies now. Yeah. Um, I was cool. I read it like immediately after I read Pride and Prejudice. Uh, oh. We read Pride and Prejudice and I was impressed by how like 70% of Pride Prejudice and Zombies was identical to Pride and Prejudice <laughs> and 30% was like so very very different. Uh yeah, my one of my partners has read uh the book and seen the movie and thinks that the movie is really really good. Mm -hmm. What's the book? doesn't integrate the non-Jane Austen parts very well was there. It can be a little bit jarring, but I actually feel like that's the point. <laughs> mm, that's fair. Um, so uh, were you? are you both really into Jane Austen 
stuff or was nope, it just I'm, this? I'm not as into it as Haley is, to be honest. Um, but I guess I'm led, like, in terms of how we pick our projects and how we sort of go down that path, we're really guided by, hey, this sounds like it would be fun. Like, mm. it, it's, it's sort of more than, like, we're really interested in this, like, area. Well, maybe Haley has that more than me, but... I'm like, that just sounds fun. I would love to play this game with people. And that's like the core of it for me. So no matter what theme it is, I can get into it if it's fun. So Yeah, definitely. If there's a story to be told, as they say. Yeah. Cool. That sounds like a really great, like, collaborative ethos, I guess. Hmm. Um, if if you think it's a fun idea, you work on it, even if you don't fully understand. Yeah, you, because what. you can pick all that up. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what Netflix is for. <laughs> yeah, you, can watch a, you can watch a bunch of movies. Um, so, I mean, on the topic of that, how how much do you feel like a knowledge of Jane Austen is required for play? And, like, to what degrees do you need to know about the themes and such? Yeah. I would separate a knowledge of Jane Austen from, like, a idea of what it would be like for something to be like Jane Austen. Because you don't actually need to know anything about Austen's work or like uh, in in detail or have read necessarily have read any of the books to play and enjoy this game. What you do need is to like have some idea of like what is Austen esque? What what are the genre conventions? What is the world like? You know what to expect, and you can have those things without ever having opened an Austen novel. Although Austen is great, and I highly recommend you open an Austen novel. <laughs> Yeah, and one way we did address this, because we playtested a lot um, at cons and stuff where there was like a mix of knowledge and levels of familiarity. One thing that we got out of that experience was like the collaborative phase of this game, which we sort of had for other aspects. But one of the aspects is how important is historical ac- accuracy to you and your group? And that's addressed in this collaborative phase where your group actually expressly talks about it. So... If you have that conversation beforehand, you can sort of figure out where everyone stands and how familiar everyone is and what's appropriate and what's not. Mm. So yeah, that's how it's addressed. uh, I think one thing that's like why collaboration is so important in shaping the game that you're about to have and that struck me about this game because I've run it many, many times now is that it's like a quite a different game when you run it for a group of people who are really into Austin and a group of people who are like, hey, this seems like a fun relic, you know, but they're not Austenites. Like when you run it for people who are into Austen, it's like slow, uh, repressed longing, uh, social conventions. And when you run it for people who are not into Austen, it's like drama, romance, and it becomes like really fiasco-esque. Actually, I like both versions of the game. They're both very fun. Um, but they are very different. And so it's been interesting almost like experiencing the two different games that my games are. <laughs> yeah, I had a similar kind of um thing happen recently when we last year we ran like a small campaign of mm-hmm. Magical Fury and I changed a bunch of stuff that I didn't like about the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um and then like when I sent it away, let the creator know about it, they were like, Oh, I never even thought of running my game this way before. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Do you like it? It's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, all right, good. That could have been bad. <laughs> um, but you mentioned you mentioned the collaboration um, and phase. and the mm-hmm. phases, and I looked at the uh, the book uh, the quick start rules that you sent out uh, in the lead up to this, um, and I thought that it might be 
interesting for you to talk a little bit about what the phases are and what phases in game design uh, and particularly in games like this are for people that might not be aware of it. Um, and then maybe we could talk about some specifics of the collaboration phase. And then I have questions about the his history thing that we were just talking <laughs> about and also the gender roles stuff and some of the other uh, historical things that you dealt with uh, in the quick start rules. So let's start off with what are phases? All right. So there are phases in this game where you start off with doing a collaborative session. It's the collaboration phase. You talk about, like I was talking about before, whether, you know, your, is how important historical accuracy is in your game, how important gender norms are, and you pick settings basically for those things. It's like configuring your game. Um, and everyone in that group has an input to that. And once you have that sort of social contract, um, you, uh, as the group, will need to abide by that. Like, it's, it's important that you do. Then we move on to this backstory phase, which is uh, character creation plus a bit of uh, extra character stuff thrown in. Um, it's sort of like the exposition phase in a novel mm. where they tell you about, like, uh, if you've read Austin, the first chapter is always like, uh, Pride of Prejudice is actually least like this. But if you read like Persuasion and um, certainly if you read Sense and Sensibility, the first chapter is like, here's everything that happened in the last 20 years in like 10 pages. That's what the backstory phase is. Huh, interesting. <laughs> and that's, that's sort of part of the uh, genre, I guess. That's why you do, you do it up front because it'll be informing the rest of your play. So once you're done with the backstory phase where you create your characters, you create connections, um, in the game you play a main character and then a supporting character, someone's side character as well. So that's all done in the backstory phase. You create webs of family history and webs of romantic histories. You get secrets, all this sort of stuff. You load up the cannon, so to speak, and then yes. you hit the novel phase, uh, which is in play, in character play. Okay. The, the, novel. The, the novel. That's right. The novel. You're, now you are writing the novel, um, and that actually goes in cycles, <laughs> which is like a phase within a phase. Yeah. Okay. So, Haley, do you want to hit yeah, up with the sure. cycles of player? So, once you've the collaboration phase and the backstory phase are only ever done once at the beginning of your game. Mm -hmm. Once you've done that, um, you get into a cycle of. Um, three different phases uh the novel phase that we talked about which is in character play and that's like your ye olde traditional role playing where you are a character and you do things and you go around the place and the scenes and then there is the uh rumor and scandal phase where you basically make up um rumors that are happening around the town um and you can either invent them or you can confirm them so make them true and basically it's it's sort of like adds a bit more drama into the game and it really allows people to take the game in, in the direction that interests them because it can have like uh, very changing consequences on the story. And then the third phase, uh, which is my personal favourite phase, um, is the epistolary phase, which is basically about you write letters. <laughs> oh, you, don't, wow. you don't actually actually take a pen out and write them. But you you say um, you dictate yeah, the letters. letters. Yeah, yeah. So I think it would be great to play a version where, where you go away yeah. for lunch break and everyone writes a letter. Well, we are working on. We've unlocked in the Kickstarter and the stretch goals is a LARP version of the game. 
And I am like adamant that in this version, there should be actual letter writing, <laughs> that there should be like a 10 minute break between the different sections and that everyone sits down and writes letters <laughs> and exchanges the letters and then like finds out secrets and scandal ah, and then goes back to play. Like <laughs> That's very cool. Um, something that I've been interested in recently is like, uh, is role-playing games with uh, one I would describe it broadly as strange mechanics, but I would describe it more specifically as uh, games with like um, real world timing, uh, games with uh, ephemeral uh, components to it, like destroy this thing that exists in reality in order to proceed. Uh, we played. We played Skeletons recently, mm-hmm. not for the podcast, but just in our private time. Um, and uh, that's a really interesting game because you sit in darkness for an amount of time between session, uh, between scenes, rather. Um, so it'd be interesting to be like, we have done this amount of the game and now we have to break for a week and write letters. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's the way the game is. <laughs> Definitely. So watch the space for actual letter writing in the LARP version of the game. Look, it sounds very interesting to me. Uh, And were there any other cycles or components to the cycles? Right, yeah. So once you have those three, you kind of alternate them um, for the rest of the game. And each session, there's like at the beginning of the session, there's like a collaboration and backstory, sort of like revisited check-in phase to just make sure that you're still on track and change bits and pieces before you continue with the story. But yeah, those are the main phases in the game. Sure. And is there a certain limit to how many of those uh, scene type or or those, um, not scenes, but... Double chapters. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How many of those uh, you would go through in, say, a session? Yeah, so it seems to depend on the group because I struggle to get through more than three chapters. Sometimes I only hit two, but I've seen groups play this and they're like, they've got so many rumors flying around because they keep getting through the chapters and then hitting the rumor and scandal phase and making more rumors and then they get through another chapter. And like, I, but I have never seen anyone get through more than four chapters in the same session. Sure. And how much uh, exploration of extended? play have you done with that and how much like how do you know what like the life of a campaign is probably Mm. like yeah campaign that's probably one of the biggest points of development for us with the game going forward because like this hits three sessions no worries Mm -hmm. but then after that i think there needs to be more to make the journey uh, of the characters feel like one continuous journey because right now there's sort of the start of session rules where you're like okay well I've fulfilled my everyone in the game has like secret desires um, mm-hmm. and they're like oh I fulfilled this or it's not relevant anymore I'm going to find a new one but there is a level to which that's kind of like disjointed and yeah. so I think like one of the things I'm really excited about um, now that the Kickstarter is going well is having time to like actually hey does someone want to volunteer for 10 sessions of this? <laughs> because we've never found anybody before who could, who could Look, handle that I would many volunteer sessions. for 10 sessions of this. I'm, you know, yes. I'd even be willing to do it in person. I'll just catch the train down. <laughs> yeah, That's I awesome. think in terms of extended play like that, um, this game, because when you, when you think of a novel, it's like a certain length, right? Like mm-hmm. there's sort of a... Uh, 
finite amount of uh, pages that you're reading and you can see that you're heading towards the end. And so there is a natural, at the moment, a natural narrative arc. You meet, you resolve, and then the book is over. Yeah, I think that's right. We've ta- you know, it, it depends. You can squeeze it all into one if you're running at a con. You can do more naturally. I think, it, like you were saying, it lasts two or three sessions. Um, but I think you could pretty much take it up to four pretty all right at the moment. With the current I think set. there is longer than that. There is some development to do. Or maybe you need to break it up into books. Look, I think I think the, like, total end time, like this this game will never get beyond ten sessions. I, I can't see it ever yeah, needing to get beyond that, I would be like, that's when you're like, well, excellent book. I finished Pride of Prejudice, you know, time to write Sense and Sensibility. Hmm. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so, I mean, are you sh- the Jane Austen novels seem to have very, or at least the ones that I've heard of, mm-hmm. seem to have very kind of, uh, well, I don't know if evocative is the right word, but like Pride and Prejudice, I assume convince you what the novel is about. Correct. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, how much uh, how much of the uh, how, how do we explain? Is there like a thing within <laughs> the game for uh, broadcasting to everyone what the themes of the book is going to be? I mean, obviously you have that discussion during the collaboration yeah. phase, but is there like a pick some pick some adjectives uh that is a really cool idea i'm gonna like write that one down because i love that idea uh right now what we have is like uh play sets which is sort of like um specific combinations of desires relationships and character roles that are centered around a particular theme uh and those have silly names like pride and prejudice (laughs) um yeah and so they evoke a certain novel Yes, exactly. You're like, oh, my novel is going to be about, you know, this one's about romance or it's like, um, you know, wealth and worldliness or something like that. You know, you can kind of get a sense of what the the playset is about without having to, like, reveal all the secrets in it, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I would liken it to if you played the card game Dominion, they have, like, card sets which revolve around, like, particular themes. It's it's sort of having sets like that that revolve around particular mm. themes. But I would say, in answer to your question as to how you indicate or broadcast in your game what themes interest you, uh, we've got, you know, the, the main system of the game, it revolves around these resolve tokens, mm-hmm. which are tokens you offer up um, to other players, say, I want to do something mean to your character and I want to affect the story in some major way. I offer you this resolve token, which you can accept, um, and that thing happens in the narrative, but then you have that resolve token to use in whatever fashion you want later, or you can uh, accept it conditionally. You sort of counter offer um, and you negotiate how the story will go. So I think these resolve tokens are a way that you can signal to other players. Uh, what you're interested in and how you want the narrative to progress. Mm-hmm. So you can, there, there are mechanics to how you place these resolve tokens, for example, on, on supporting characters, which indicates that you want that character to be brought into the game or, you know, and to particular rumours and scandals. So yeah. if you're indicating that a rumour that someone is, uh, I don't know, give me an example of one, Haley, Courting a prince. 
then then you're in the, you're sort of broadcasting to the other members of your group that that's something you're interested in exploring further. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Uh, so, I mean, kind of tangentially related to that, mm. you mentioned earlier that there's a discussion you have during the collaboration phase about how historical you want your game to be. Mm. Um, so I thought that it might be interesting to talk about how you sort of settled on how your game would deal with that because I'm assuming there was some shitty things happening historically at that period of time. Yes. Because human beings were oh, alive like, at the time, yeah. so I assume bad things were happening. It's kind of, I, I always joke, like, if you want to, you know, if you want to play all the shitty things that were happening at the time, go play Alas for the Awful Sea because mm. it's set in, like, almost exactly the same time period and it's literally about everything awful that was happening right then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, we were really guided by creating a very awesome experience without, um, repeating the mistakes of the past. That's what I feel. Yeah. Mm. Um, and for me, that meant that, um, picking historical accuracy isn't, isn't so much about that. Picking historical accuracy is, is more about people's preferred play style, but the other elements of the collaboration, I, I think the one that stands out the most would be the... Um, sort of the historical gender roles and patriarchy uh, question is really like about okay, this is this is how it was. How it was is one option, but you don't need like you don't have to have that to have this awesome experience. So as a group, you get to make a choice about how you know this is your game. This belongs to you. It doesn't belong to the past. So you get to choose how you want to proceed. Yeah, and what kind of options are presented by the game for that? Yeah, so you can play the settings that we've got in that collaboration phase is to play the way it was, historical. Um, we could You can play it with it off, which means that gender doesn't matter, I guess. It's not. Yeah. And reverse. So conceitedly doing the complete opposite. Uh, so does that mean with gender off, I can play a female British officer? Yes. <laughs> I mean, and also with it reversed. Well, yeah, that's true. But if it, if it was reversed, you couldn't play a male British officer. Yeah, yeah. you couldn't be allowed. No, be no. Men are too emotional. <laughs> exactly. They're driven shouldn't by hatred. I think one thing that's interesting about the reverse setting is that you actually keep all the outward uh, paraphernalia um, as it was historically, it's only the gender power balance that's switched. Mm, Unless um, you want that. Yeah. You have the option. Like, I, I found it funny when doing that one that, that like, you know, the, the men are still in, in pants and the women are still in dresses, but we know, like, those men, you know, better do a good job of pleasing the women, otherwise their futures are uncertain. <laughs> I'm imagining... Uh, I'm imagining the jobs that men are given still being the same as well, except they're just looked down upon. It's like, well, of course we send the men off to the wars yeah. because we wouldn't want to lose important women. Yeah. I love that. I think I think that flip is also very open to interpretation. So I look forward to many interesting uh, variations on that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, ac one. I've actually been reading a book recently about... Uh, about human sexuality and a bunch of, uh, mm -hmm. bunch of stuff like that, but there's there's a section in particular where they focus on um, they focus on how a bunch of 
anthropologists are like, well, there's no matriarchal societies on Earth, and any any societies where we where they appear to be matriarchal are actually patriarchal in disguise because of really stupid reasons, like men eat before women in one particular matriarchal society, and it's like, is that really the men being better? Because like when we open doors for women in the West. That's not suddenly matriarchal. matriarchal. Uh, but it's just interesting how, how, like, a lot of the male idea of what what a matriarchal society would look like is basically just patriarchy reversed. But, like, when we look at actual matriarchal societies, that's not what it's like at all because yes. of the way that women value power completely differently to men. Um, so that'd be an interesting thing to explore. Mm. I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's a lot of interesting stuff you can do with the flip thing. Yeah. One notable thing is although we did address the gender issue, we actually specifically put in something about the racial inequality that was happening at that time. Yeah, I saw that and was really interested to hear like your process behind why you chose to do that. Yeah. Uh, So what was, what was the thing that you did first of all, for people that haven't read the quick start rules? Right. Yes. Okay. So, uh, we specifically address the gender uh, power imbalance by putting that option in about what to choose. With the racial issue, we identify that it wasn't sort of a feature of um, Austen novels, which is sad because it's because a whole part of the world and society is totally like erased. Um, but that isn't like. Hmm, I'm not explaining this very well, Haley. <laughs> a core theme uh, is not exploring racial. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like, it's basically, not- the point of the game is to capture the essence of Austin, not to be racist. Yes. It's yeah. kind of similar to what I said earlier. And, like, because gender is, like, so, so important to Austin and, like, all of Austin is about gender, you actually have to sit down as a group and, like, think about, hey, what do we want to do with gender? Like, it's something you really have to consider mm. if you want the Austin experience. But with race, that's just not the case. Like, Austin isn't about race. And so then why be racist? <laughs> that's our point of view. Like, I... I yeah, there can only be good things by saying, "Look, race isn't isn't like important." This game is not the space to explore uh, those issues unless you want it to be. Um, but basically, let's not be default racists. Yeah. So the the funny point with Haley was when we were discussing, and then was like, "What are we going to do with this in the game?" Haley was like, "I don't think they even describe what people's races were." So. For all you know, this book is all about (laughs) who are racially diverse and you wouldn't know any better. So why not play that way? So we we decided in our version of this that you could be from anywhere in the world and not have to not have that be part of the. Mm, I think that's a good way of phrasing it. Well done. Yeah, I think that's that that is. I think that's a really reasonable decision to make for like what your game is and that distilling of the themes down i think that was when i read that part i'm like oh wow that's a really neat solution that makes sense yeah in the context of what you're doing yeah. because like i was thinking god were they were they really racist in the mm-hmm. jane austen novels i mean i assume they were really racist at the time yes or that they didn't mention it very much in the novels yeah but that's that's how they're racist yeah because they were com- completely omitted yes. mm, um that's true so uh, yeah, yeah. I just I thought that that was mm-hmm. I thought that was really a really well suited to your project solution, yeah. and so I was interested in bringing mm-hmm. some attention to that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
something off the tail of that, how much do you feel... Uh, what is the phrase I want to use? How much do you feel uh, same-sex relationships may or may not feature into your game? I assume it doesn't come up in a lot of Jane Austen books. No, I could be wrong. It could come up a bunch. <laughs> no, it doesn't. I That just goes back to the gender... Um, the gender decision, because if you turn gender off, that's essentially meaning that you're saying, um, okay, yeah, so same-sex relationships just a normal part of the world. Hmm. Um, if you leave it as it was historically, um, then then they're not. Um, you can, of course, like there's other parts of the collaboration phase where you say what you want to see and what you don't want to see. Um, I've had players say, look, I know that we're playing this with historical gender norms but i don't want to see any vilification of homosexuality okay that's fine it's a, it's your game like yeah. you know but yeah that's generally how it's handled in collaboration Presumably, yeah yeah presumably like just the same you could do historical on and explore what it might have been like to try and express or hide or keep secret yeah. those kinds of desires and yeah. how you yeah. might try and live with that that could I actually played a game too. that was like that. Yes, yeah? we did play that once. Well, I mean, if you play a game with me, there's often going to be a gay relationship in the game. Fair. <laughs> but I think it you was... You can't see her, like, panda rainbow shirt from oh, here. Yeah. Oh, we can see it on the... Oh, yeah, there the we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, that was fun as well. I really enjoyed doing, doing that in the game. <laughs> it was interesting. Yeah, I can see how that would be an interesting thing to explore, um... Especially if you're playing as one of the characters trying to secure a husband. Yes. Like I, I'm not. I'm not in love with men at all. But I need to secure this for survival. That's okay. I will just live in your estate, good sir. And I have a female friend who will com- accompany me. My my friend requires a cottage on the on the grounds. And <laughs> an awful lot of time with your companion. <laughs> Uh, wonderful, cool. Um, so, I th- why don't we talk about how the Kickstarter's been going? Because uh, as of right now, how how much longer do you have on your Kickstarter at the moment? So many days. Why is it still twenty five? Twenty six? Twenty five? It goes till it goes till March sixth Australian time. Fifth. Yeah. So if it's fifth. like if it's fifth. March fifth. if it's March sixth or fifth where you live or before that. Please go check out the Kickstarter. And even if it's after that, go check out the Kickstarter because there'll probably be like a section that tells you uh, where you can find more stuff about it. Uh, so, how has that been going? Because I heard that it went really, really well to begin with, and that it's still going really, really well. So, why don't you talk about how the Kickstarter project's going? I, <laughs> to be completely truthful, I am just—I was just so relieved that it didn't go badly. Bomb. <laughs> Yeah, but because I because when we were doing this initially, we thought it'd be great fun, but we weren't. I mean, I wasn't sure if this was. You're worried it'd be too niche. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I guess it's one of those things where you don't see a lot of this in mainstream role playing, or, and I'm glad that the indie scene is getting a lot more broad, and there's a lot of things being explored there. But even then, there's always this sort of like fear that you're like, oh, I'm going to put this out there, and if it bombs. I feel really bad about it because it's so like uh You've put so different. much time into it. Yeah, well, it's not even that. It's sort of like I would be sad to not 
to realize that there wasn't a market for this game. Ah, uh, right. you know what I mean? Like, I would be audience. That's yeah. right. Particularly for this um, project, more than say, alas, because I was like, oh, alas is niche, but it's kind of like this historical dark thing. This, it's not very niche. It's not very <laughs> it. Whereas it's like the Jane Austen. If it does badly, then it's sort of like people can make fun of it, and like I just didn't want that to happen. But I, I almost feel like uh, the uh, that good society is an easier concept for people to wrap their heads around yeah, than Alas for the Awful Sea, oh, even though Alas for the Awful Sea, also wonderful. Yeah, so much easier. I, I like, when I was like, when I was writing the Kickstarter page for Alas for the Awful Sea, I was like, explaining, so difficult, need many words. Mm. And then I like took the same tack the first time I wrote the Good Society page. And then I was like, I'll just cut out two thirds of these words and I'll replace them with the words Jane Austen. <laughs> like just, mm. at, just once at the top. And it's like, yeah, everyone gets it. They all like, <laughs> So, but yeah, no, uh, we were really, really, really stoked to see that when, there was an audience for this. Yeah, you, we've been did very you hit your funding goal yet? Oh, mm, yeah, <laughs> just just did just recently. <laughs> Didn't you hit it in like the first ninety minutes? We, uh, yes, that may be true. No, like, what's we've been really, really lucky to get a lot of um, support and a lot of people pouring positive energy our way. So I feel very, very fortunate that um, people have taken the time to check it out and some people even said nice things and then my heart goes all glowy. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that a lot of other people, you know, yeah. uh, think it's going to be a fun idea because, like, that's the spirit of it was like, yeah, it's going to be fun. This is going to be great. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. What, are, what are some of the other uh, Kickstarter goals that you've hit? Um, like uh, so stretch goals. That's the word I've been. Uh, you mentioned that you're going to be presumably writing a LARP because of one of the yes. stretch goals. I yes. I saw one that was titled. Apparently, there's a stretch goal titled "Pride and Prejudice and Three Question Marks." <laughs> yes, that is the word. That is actually the most recent stretch goal we've, we've hit. hit, and that's we're going to write a hack of the game. Mm. Uh, at the moment. <laughs> There are a lot of people. We're there seeking are suggestions. About 150 suggestions as to what we should replace those question marks with. Can can I can I suggest something? Yes. Yeah, I will put yes. it on the list. I've got a doc. I've got a Google. Pride and prejudice and princesses of Mars. <gasps> of Mars. That's I'm already just, been suggested. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm just imagining like a John Carter of yes. Mars, like yes. but only only like ballroom royal <laughs> intrigue scenes. Oh, this that strange is, yes. this strange person from another planet is <laughs> trying to win favor. Your mind is not the only one that went to that place. <laughs> oh, I am glad that I am in good company. You are. What is that spaceship barouche that has arrived? <laughs> <laughs> I want it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's so many good ones. The gentleman, the gentleman from Basum. <laughs> uh, wow, wonderful. So, uh, yeah. Any any other interesting uh, stretch goals that you're excited for having uh, or maybe hitting? Yeah, so we've got some playsets that we've unlocked through that. Uh, you're going to hear it here first, but we're developing probably some sort of two-player version. <gasps> Did you know that we have a two-player Actual play series that hasn't had <laughs> wow. any episodes yet, but we totally have one. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Recorded, yeah, there's been a lot of demand three, for it. Yeah, we've recorded two or three episodes. Excellent. So, yeah, we're We'd, thinking of releasing yeah. something about that on mm. Valentine's Day, which is coming. The up. other one that I'm like, it 
I'm really happy about, but I guess it doesn't seem that that uh, exciting if you're already into RPGs. Is that we're writing like a a uh, sort of a new to role playing guide that gets you into the game as well? Because I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of people when they're starting out, they're like, "Well, the only thing that I can learn to play is D and D because that's the only thing that will explain this to me." And so I just D and D doesn't even really do a great job of that, mm-hmm. to be honest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, put some other stuff out there that can help people who are like new and may not want the fighty of the fighty to start off with. Yeah, I think that and that's really, our cool hobby. That's really cool. I'm really excited. It's actually as a like game developer, that's really exciting uh, for me. Like something that we've done in the past is try and do intro to role playing sessions mm. of the actual play, and we've done stuff where everyone was new um, yes. to either role-playing or that specific game. Uh, so that's really interesting to us. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm keen to see how that goes because I'm a firm believer in rather than play D&D, you should play a game that is of a genre that you're actually interested yes. in rather than just yes. play D&D. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not even – it's just so complicated for a, for a beginner. It's just <laughs> – They tend to latch on to the, like uh, – I mean, when we played – you know, there's combat, whatever. Then you introduce some goblin, and everyone wants to befriend the goblin, like it's, <laughs> it's, you or let, kiss let, the goblin. Yeah. Or... And that's I the think this says it, a so. lot about our gaming groups, though. Mm. I think we the one game of fifth edition that I ran for the podcast. Um, I had uh, one of the characters uh, entered into a marriage with uh, <laughs> one of the members of the orc tribe in order oh, to secure good. safe passage through the woods. That was the job, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah. They were, yeah, they were mapping some parcel of land on behalf of some foreign king was the yeah. premise. Uh, I would love it if in 20 years people are like, oh, I got into role-playing because I played a game that is not D&D. You know what I mean? Like, And then everyone yeah. had like a different intro game. That would be amazing. Yeah, I think I, I agree. I think that would really strengthen the community. And it would also mean that more people got more out of role-playing. I feel like there's probably a lot of people that are like, yeah, role-playing's okay, I guess, and they play it, but that's because they're really expressing an opinion about D&D or Pathfinder uh, or the one game that their group plays all the time, whereas, like, there's so many games you could play, and once you learn, like, three games, it's really easy to learn four, five, ten, twenty. Yeah. You know, Uh, when I started writing, like when I started writing games and I started designing games, like the, like the first thing that I wrote was like a D and D adventure. Cause I was like, Hey, I know people who play this with me. And I was like trying to write this adventure, um, like, but express all these things that were in my head and like trying expressing, but difficult because D and D and then V was like, this is not the system you are looking for. <laughs> the system you're looking for is in another game. <laughs> I was like, it was like yeah. a revelatory moment. What? I could write something that, that wasn't D&D? Or was it in this sort of system? Because yeah. systems are meant to be built to extend what that experience is like, what that genre yeah. is like. What that, and if you're not into that, that's not what you're supposed to be using. Make yeah, your own I, rules. that's 100% yeah. a thing that I, I support. I think we've done yeah. an entire episode before on yeah. like tailoring, picking a game with mechanics that reinforce the themes that you're trying to explore. Um, so that's that's cool. I'm glad. It's always wonderful talking to you two. Uh, so why is my camera refocusing? Uh, no, refocus. <laughs> uh, so 
uh, I thought it might be nice to talk about like some other projects that you're working on and if there are like any events or anything that you have coming up. Um, uh, yeah, so do you have anything on the horizon? We yes. always have things on the horizon. Yeah, have- you're... So constantly many- putting out games. <laughs> I have so many things on the horizon we, that, like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I know what the next five Kickstarters are going to be. What's the shit of the one after that be? What's the sixth one? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> no, I think we, we we really enjoy creating and we really enjoy improving. And the way you improve is to reiterate a lot. So to go through the full cycle over and over again, mm. but doing it better each time. So I guess that's that's why we have a lot of things on the horizon. The next thing... It's funny because we've had some comments in our Kickstarter about people wanting to do Downton Abbey style things. Oh, yeah. And I am familiar with that show yeah. in that I know it exists. <laughs> yeah. But one of the, the actually the next game that we're developing the rule set for loosely. I was working on it today, in fact. Yeah. I was at work earning the money. <laughs> um, is called The Establishment. Um, which Haley is running at a local Blue Mountains convention just called Edencon. Yeah, later later this month. Um, yeah, and yeah, basically it's a game about running a luxury uh, five star establishment of some kind. Um, and like, of course, it's not really about that. It's really about drama and secrets and like. Upstairs, illegal- downstairs. Yeah. Well, this version I'm playing is set in the Prohibition, so illegal speakeasies and. Mobsters are hard clientele, you know, mm-hmm. to, I mean, you want those five-star reviews, but then mobsters. They're demanding. They have yeah. esoteric needs. Yeah. Yeah, so that's oh, something we're playing yeah. around with at the moment. Yeah, I'm playing around. I, the fun thing about that game for me is, like, there's, um, there's like, two bits of it. There's, like, the normal role-playing bit, and then there's, like, this whole hotel management <laughs> section about, like, hiring staff and, like, your reputation and, like, clientele, and, like, I'm having so much fun with this. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. That sounds very exciting. So, yeah, if anyone has the opportunity to go to Ettencon in the Blue Mountains, check that out. And Ettencon, I think, is held uh, biannually. There's there's two every year. Uh, There's a summer and a winter. Um, I have been meaning to get to it at some point. I don't know. I don't know if I'll I'll try and make it in February. We'll see how (laughs) it goes. Um, But, yeah, so check that out. Uh, And... Uh, you also have on your website a bunch of free games and things, don't you, as well? Micro yes. games and things? Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, so if any, if you guys want to get a taste of the kind of stuff that the Story Brewers check out, you can go to their website and check and see all their free games if you're a bit, you know, you're not sure if you're going to like what they have. Uh, and then you can buy stuff from them as well because they have a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so go and check it out. I Yeah, they've... You guys make such wonderful stuff. I just really love it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know uh, how to deal with compliments. <laughs> I have a partner that is like that as well. <laughs> I, tr- I compliment them and then they're like, stop. <laughs> stop. Uh, cool. Uh, so if people want to find you online and, uh, and you know, keep abreast of all the things that you're doing, where can they do that? We are at Story Brewers on uh, Twitter and Facebook and Amonji Plus. And my Twitter is at Rocketeer underscore V. And we'll have links to those on the WordPress version of the site and yes. probably also on SoundCloud, although SoundCloud doesn't like the hyperlink. So mm-hmm. we'll see how we go. 
Um, but yes, you will be able to find those links and find more from them. And your Kickstarter is running till March 6th, Australian time. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Cool. Fantastic. Uh, any, any last words? Anything Thank to you add? for having us. It's been a great chat. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see you again soon mm. in person. Yes, clearly we clearly I need to arrange another trip down. Uh, yeah, uh, or if there are cons up there. Ah, actually, that's a good thing I should mention. So new con running again in March, yes. and now I am on the organizational committee for it. <gasps> Can we run a game? I want to run a game. <laughs> in March. run a game. I will, I'll send out a message about it in a minute. But Thanks. Uh, if you're listening to this or watching this and you are interested in having an excuse to go to Newcastle, uh, come up to uh, Nucon uh, in March uh, and there will be links to details about Nucon down in the uh, text box below this, either on SoundCloud or WordPress. Uh, so you can find out more about that, uh, or you can search for Nucon, uh, N-E-W-C-O-N, uh, on you know the web, and you should be able to find it. So. Uh, although I'm having trouble finding it right now <laughs> because my fucking computer keeps uh, correcting to other things. Uh, but yeah, you can find out more about Nucon uh, by searching for that, and where and Nucon is also on Facebook and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you guys so much, uh, for being on. Uh, it was wonderful talking to you. Uh, and, uh, I hope that, uh, we will get the chance to see you soon. Uh, but, uh, for now, uh, farewell from the past. I'm Ray. Uh, 